Hello and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a journalist and editor. And here each week, I'll be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Koo. Rachel is a cook, writer, and TV presenter who first rose to fame with her best-selling cookbook, The Little Paris Kitchen, a collection of recipes tested from her little Paris kitchen. The book was soon developed into her first TV series, and Rachel quickly became known by food lovers the world over with several cookbooks and TV series that followed. Now she lives in Stockholm with her Swedish husband and two children. And it's this new beginning that served as the inspiration for her latest project, The Little Swedish Kitchen. Rachel has lived a truly international life and her travel diaries really reflect that. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's hear now from Rachel Koo. I'm with the wonderful Rachel Koo in her glorious house. Welcome to the Travel Diaries. Thank Thank you you. so much for being here. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. (laughs) We're going to go on a journey through the eight chapters of your life's Travel Diaries. And I feel like chapter one, your earliest childhood travel memory, is going to be really good context for what's to come because... I feel like your childhood and your upbringing was really international. Yeah, it certainly was because my dad's from Malaysia. Mm-hmm. My mom's from Austria. I was born in the UK. So one of them was a primary school age uh, going camping in Cornwall in a caravan. Mm-hmm. And then my first trip to Malaysia when I was also similar age, seven or eight. And I remember we went at Christmas. It was very hot and humid. And my relatives roasted a whole suckling pig on, um, you know, when they turn it. So it was Mm, on the whole, on a spit roast. roast. So I remember that. And also eating crab with lots of white bread. Sorry, this is all food memories. So they're food memories. That's (laughs) so interesting. So is that what's most evocative from your childhood? Yeah, and then going to Austria as a kid my relatives in Austria my grandma cooking in her kitchen so where in Austria was that um on the Swiss border so Mm -hmm. in Fahlberg so the opposite side of Vienna in the mountains uh I would spend summers uh up in the mountains with the cows Mm. so it was very Heidi milking cows in the morning Mm. uh and just fresh and pure air so I have like very varied uh yeah they're quite contrasting um locations that you traveled to did you go quite regularly to both so Malaysia wasn't very regular Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I went once or twice as a young kid Mm -hmm. Uh, Austria was like at least two or three times a year if not more it was great in the summer and also great in the winter you know it's a fabulous place to go all year round And how did your parents' respective cultures kind of influence your upbringing in England? I, so I grew up, now I'm giving away my age, well, you can see it on Wikipedia, but anyway, (laughs) I grew up in the 80s and back then, some, like to put it into context, uh, you would have to go to the chemist to get olive oil. Hmm. That was like pre, like anything vaguely international at the supermarket so my mum you know cooked really varied food and I was always craving like chicken nuggets and chips my best friend would have for her dinner so it was very multicultural which Mm -hmm. was 
not very common at that time. But people were a lot more home or UK focused. It has formed who I am. Yeah. And I think because um, so in my teen years, I lived in Germany. And living in another country when you're young really pushes yourself in terms of understanding another culture, but also you're not in your comfort zone. So I went to a German school, a German convent school. I didn't speak German. I had to put myself in a situation where everything was was particularly hard and also very uh foreign you know not not comfortable at the beginning and then afterwards you you become uh like at ease with yourself for putting yourself putting yourself in a situation where you don't it doesn't all have to be familiar there's nothing to lose so I always feel um very much I go knock on that door that's not a problem I can go I'll just go try things out it's Mm. the way I ended up in doing what I am doing now is because I just knocked on doors and I was like hi my name's Rachel blah 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 I do this and that are you interested I still do the same thing you know I still ring people email people get in touch with people and I'm very much let's just go for it because all I have to lose is well maybe a bit of dignity but it is there's only more to gain from putting yourself out there So chapter two then is the first place that you fell in love with. What would that be? Um, I would have to say it would be Austria Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I mean, obviously I have a very personal connection to the country, but I spend so much of my childhood there. It's like a second home. Mm -hmm. So it would, would have to be Austria. And if someone had never been to Austria, where would you point them to first? You okay? So my mum comes from a very small county called Falberg, um, which is on the Swiss border. Uh, probably the most well-known place is Lech, which you can known for the skiing there. Yeah. But I would say go in the summer because you can go hiking, you go my- mountain biking. If you're feeling a bit lazy, you can get an e-mountain bike, which <laughs> makes it super easy to get up the mountain. You go hiking, then you go, like, if you're really brave, you go for a swim in the icy cold waters, you know, the springs coming down from the mountains. Then they have these lovely, um, like, huts up in the mountains where you can go have some food, like a nice cold beer or fresh buttermilk and all the like regional kind of um, very simple cuisine, very Mm -hmm. simple farmer's food. And it's very fresh. It's kind of takes you away from the hustle and bustle. You know, if you're one to like, uh, you just want to, you want the Mediterranean hot weather by the beach, you can kind of get that a little bit you could go to some of the lakes and you can just sun by the lake mm-hmm. you know Lake Constance is beautiful um it, I mean it, it borders Switzerland uh Germany and this Liechtenstein so if you what's great about this region in Austria is it's so close to other places so you could drive an hour mm-hmm. or even half an hour you're in Switzerland half an hour you're in Germany an hour you're in Italy so it's a great base to have yeah you can cover a lot of ground mm. from there So we first fell in love with you when you were on our TV screens, your first TV series, The Little Paris Kitchen. Now, the journey to get there, I don't know whether everybody would know quite how much you put yourself on the line just suddenly moving to Paris. Can you tell me a little bit about the journey? 
Yeah, so um, I... You're so brave. I mean, yeah. I just think it is, shows so much gumption, right? Well, or crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was working in fashion PR marketing in London uh-huh. and it wasn't really my thing. And I always wanted to get back to food. And while I was at art college, I actually assisted on some food shoots. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be a food stylist, but you needed to work for free. And I couldn't afford to work for free and work my way up. So um, I got a job in fashion uh, PR marketing. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I want to get back into food. And I met a few food stylists and they recommended you need to get more hands-on food experience. Either go work in a restaurant or go to culinary school. Mm -hmm. So I looked at culinary schools. There was London, there was Vienna, and then there was Paris. And I was like, oh, Paris. I didn't really like Paris, but I thought if I go to Paris, not only can I learn how to bake, but I could also learn another language means if it didn't work out with the baking, I would come back with three languages. So English, German and French. Yeah, I could. Which is amazing. You know, I could get it would be easier to get another job, like if I wanted to work in the city as a secretary, you know. So I was thinking that's my backup plan. I spent a year like saving up money. So I had a, my day job, but then I also looked after kids. I made birthday cakes for kid parties. And then when I had enough money, I looked at the courses. I put my deposit down. I got a job as an au pair in Paris. And then I got on the Eurostar. I had a big suitcase, a yoga mat. If anybody's caught the French or the prison metro before, they'll know it is extremely, it's not accessible for wheelchairs. It's very hard if you're rolling anything. You've got to go up and down a lot of stairs. Mm -hmm. So imagine, I'm quite sure I've got this huge suitcase and a yoga mat. I'm trying to lug it up and down these stairs. I was so sweaty by the time I arrived. It was awful. And then what was the journey to... You suddenly being on a BBC series from Paris. A lot of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. (laughs) My big break came when I got a job selling cookbooks. So in that cookbook shop, I met other cookbook writers and I was like, hi, my name's Rachel. Do you ever need, if you ever need some help, hear my details. And I started developing or testing recipes for another food writer. And this food writer, his editor saw what I was doing, said, do you want to write some cookbooks? So I wrote two cookbooks in French. And then after those two cookbooks, I thought I want to write something in English. And that's where I put my idea together for the Little Paris Kitchen cookbook. And at the same time, I was like hosting cookery classes. I was doing pop-up restaurants. Now, just so that was like 2000, 2008, nine. So doing pop-up restaurants. You were ahead of the curve yeah, there. hello. Yeah. <laughs> so way ahead of the curve. Um, and I was uh, consulting back then. I was doing anything food related. And you were having just, was it just two guests in your little Paris kitchen? Yes. So basically when I started writing the cookbook, I didn't want to waste the food. Oh, uh, so when you test recipes, there's a lot of food waste. Yeah. And also I wanted... Uh, so you're looking after the environment, probably ahead of the curve as well. <laughs> well, I've, I've always uh, been somebody not to want to waste food. It's like my mum and my grandmother very... Uh, much like you don't waste food it's yeah like you eat leftovers so I was like okay who can I test recipes on all my friends are at work during the day right how about I'll put out a Facebook page this was pre-Instagram so it was Facebook my newsletter and my blog so I would release dates every month saying these are the days I'm doing lunches if you want to come email me and I got a waiting list it was pretty 
impressive. I even had a review in the New York Times. In the New York Times? Yeah. Wow. So um, That must have been so exciting. It was really cool. And so I was writing the cookbook, developing recipes, meeting people from around the world who were coming to have lunch. And I really loved that experience of sharing a meal. Yeah. Because sometimes I'd get these emails from these Americans saying, yeah, we're coming on our honeymoon. We'd love to have lunch. And I'm like... Sure, just so you know, it's small. So it's not, it's kind of intimate in the wrong way. You're looking for a romantic meal. It might be a bit strange. I'm going to be like sitting in your lap because I actually join people for lunch. So it would be oh, so nice. two people and I'd sit and we'd chat and it was like me hosting someone. Mm, so not mm-hmm. like me in the kitchen. Plus the kitchen, you could see me in the kitchen. If I ever dropped anything on the floor, there was no chance of picking yeah, it up. Yeah, you're hiding it. Yeah. Oh, it sounds wonderful. I wish that I could have attended. Well, uh, those days are gone. Yeah. Like, the landlady wanted a flat back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's probably quite a lot of traffic going in and out of there. So living in Paris for, yes. was it eight years? You must have some real insider tips for recommendations. What would you, what would you recommend for people visiting the city? One thing I would recommend, which is accessible to everyone, is go to a food market. Um, there's a food market on every day of the week apart from Monday. Uh, And usually each neighborhood will have one once or twice a week. Um, If you're not sure which one's on, usually you can find it online. Or there's also always in the 14th arrondissement, Marche de Ligue, which is uh, Tuesday to Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, it's the biggest market. They have an antique-like part. Mm, Great. And pick up a baguette pick up some lovely fruit, pick up some cheese, some ham, uh, go to a park, go to the canal and have a picnic. Sounds wonderful. So chapter three is the place where you learn the most about yourself. What would that be? Ooh. Um, oh, God, I don't know. That's a hard one. So um, one place I've been to quite a lot now uh, is Australia. My first trip to Australia was Sydney. And at that time, I had a friend uh, who was living there and I said, okay, I want to come visit, but can we, can we do a pop-up restaurant? And she's also, she's also a food writer, um, Frankie Unsworth. And she was living there and she said, okay, well, how about we do it in my flat? So we decided to do a a pop-up restaurant quite a while ago now. And we decided to do a restaurant in her living room. We we got great press actually. We got a article in the Sydney Morning Herald, and we decided to do a theme about. Um, it was called Edible Tales, and the theme was immigration, and it was like the tale of people coming to Australia oh, that's and great. how they discovered the indigenous ingredients. And I just remember one evening, there was such a buzz around the table of everybody sharing their story of how they came to Australia. It was just so magical. It wasn't just the food, it was that human connection. And for me, that is what really brings me joy with food, is that connecting people to each other or having that moment of sharing something. It's not just eating the energy consumption or that, you know, flavor or it's that taking time and and connecting with someone which happens less and less I feel in the real world a lot Mm. of people connect online but that human connection is so vital and people left that event and they were like oh let's meet up next week and that was really special that that does sound really special and also in, in terms of learning about yourself I mean we're in your 
London HQ. Mm. Um, but a few years ago, you moved to Stockholm, right? Yeah. Hence the Little Swedish Kitchen, fabulous TV series, gorgeous book. But I think what really amazes me about that is that I think a lot of us kind of fantasize about moving to a different city and experiencing a new way of life, but don't have the guts to actually go through and do it. And you did it not just with Sweden but with Paris and you know how how has it been uprooting your life and moving to Scandinavia look it's not easy I mean it's easier in the sense that in uh, Sweden the level of English is so high yeah so you don't have that language barrier yeah um like I did in France or when I lived in Germany as a teen so in that sense it's easier but in another sense it's difficult because I work from home I don't work in an office so meeting people I would literally follow people on Instagram and because they're in Stockholm I'd send them a message saying hi my name's Rachel I'm new to Stockholm do you fancy meeting a coffee <laughs> like having, really yeah good for you yeah so I I actually so like, it, I mean it is hard to meet, yeah. to meet new friends and stuff wherever you go it's like dating you've got to like you meet somebody first time and it's like a one night stand so how can you convert that one night stand into a long-term <laughs> relationship yeah. like when you're adult like making friends it's not like as a kid's like oh come let's play together blah 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 you totally and people are always so busy it's like right I can see you like let me see my schedule maybe in six months how about that like, <laughs> or when I lived in Paris it was very much so I had a lot of friends who like then meet new people to Paris and like how long are you staying for only six months I I don't want to be a friend with you really because they didn't want to invest the energy of getting to know someone if they were leaving in six months wow gosh that's that's extraordinary yeah so I mean it's not easy in a new city but it's more rewarding mm. it's life enriching mm. it uh, and I always say if you don't like it you can go back home true true there's nothing stopping if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities maladies, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. 
It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos visiting some places that have been on my bucket list and while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. We've all read endless articles that say, oh, you know, the Swedes, they've got it right. Mm. They've got that balance right. Have they? Have they got it right, do you think? Look, I must say, I uh, have lived in London for... Well, I lived in London for a very long time. I lived in Paris for a very long time. And in the last three years of living in Sweden, I have taken holidays, which I never used to. Mm -hmm. I used to be a workaholic, like 24-7. Like the whole of July, everybody's off. So it's no point working because it's all like you just get out of office. And then people have a much better work-life balance there. The approach to family life in terms of uh, shared, you know, parental leave, um, the childcare situation it is really much better I mean I don't think I could have the career I have now without the support uh, I get from the Swedish government in terms of subsidized childcare and parental leave and all of that Mm. Uh, I must say I do pay high taxes you know it's not cheap but I get my money's worth in terms of the services they supply. Yeah. And and what, what's been some of the highlights of living there so far? You know, the long summer days and you go swimming in the lakes, you know, wild swimming as it's been branded now. Mm. <laughs> or it's just swimming in a lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's really refreshing uh, and that kind of wilderness to it. You know, the forest, the nature. You have to love nature if you're into, uh, you know, you go to Sweden. The cities aren't like London or Paris. They're a lot smaller. Um, But that's the great thing about Stockholm. You are only ever 100 metres away from some nature, whether it's water or a forest or a park. There's always nature around you. That's how you started off one of the episodes that I just had the pleasure of watching, where you say you're just like 10 minutes from Stockholm and you're in this extraordinarily beautiful forest. Yeah. Yeah. That is just so special. I think also for your mental well-being. Yeah. It is really important um, to be able to switch off. Mm. Uh, and the Japanese have this thing called forest bathing. Whereas the Swedish say, just go for a walk in the forest. Yeah, <laughs> but you do feel a tangible difference doing yeah. it, don't you? Being, yeah. being out of nature, so no. good for your mental well-being, as you say. Mm. Chapter four is your all-time favorite destination. What would that be? Oh, I don't know. Like, um, if I remove, like, my cultural heritage, like Malaysia and... Uh, Austria out of it because if I include that then it's impossible um but I must say I love Tokyo yeah 
Uh, I've been very fortunate to have been to Tokyo twice now um, because for some reason my cookbooks are translated into Japanese and my TV shows and they really like me there. So last year I went um, and hopefully I'll be going again this year. Really? Yeah, so I'm becoming kind of a Swedish ambassador. (laughs) (laughs) So my Swedish show will be airing and my cookbook will be coming out in Japanese. I even met the lady who does my voice for my TV shows over there. Oh, so that's I have a so, Japanese voice. so surreal. Yeah. So what do you love about Tokyo? I, the thing is, I don't speak Japanese. I And so when I go there, I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. It's like, it's like traveling before it, the internet age a little bit because you're still very lost, mm-hmm. you know. You just, you have to kind of go with your gut. So that is something really refreshing. Also, when I go into a shop, it's like I look at something, I pick it up. It's a packet of something. I'm like, do I eat it? Do I wash with it? Do I (laughs) put it in my clothes? What do I do with it? I don't know. Yeah. Lost in translation. Exactly. Totally lost in translation. And if you like, I'm one to really like to research and kind of make a list of, oh, I've got to do this, this and this. And it is like, okay, I'm going to slow down and just go with the flow. And also, I mean, Japanese culture, you know, the their craftsmanship, their attention to detail, it's something I don't have in that sense. I don't have that, you know, dedication to just one thing. I like to do a project and then move it on to another. But I, you know, I went to a ramen school on my first trip in Osaka. And I remember talking to this guy and he, he spent his whole life just dedicated to ramen learning you know the broth had to have this density in terms of fat to water ratio to like bone blah 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 it was like it was a science yeah (laughs) to absolute perfection yeah do you have any favorite hangouts actually there was one thing I had on my last trip um, so it's always food related with me uh, um, and it were the it was these grapes and they're only these s- scrape from I don't know where in Japan and they were wrapped in a rice sweet rice kind of dough Ooh. and so you'd bite into this chewy tender rice dough and then you'd get the crunchy crisp fresh grape in the middle oh that sounds so delicious they were divine and also like nothing I've ever tasted no, before exactly it was a it was an eye-opening experience I'd never had anything like that before well that's an amazing all-time favorite destination do you have another favorite city or would Tokyo be your favorite destination for all mm, uh, hmm, favorite city I love Sydney I have a soft spot for Sydney. Um, so last year I was filming there, another TV show. But uh, getting up in the morning, I'd get up super early before I started filming, head to the beach. I'd go for a bar class. Uh, so do an hour workout. Then I'd do a couple minutes, like 10 minutes meditation on the beach, get a green juice. And I was like, oh, this is the life. You know, I feel super healthy and fit and like really energized. Sun's shining. The sun is shining. I was like, I mean, it does help the great weather and the food scene is like really diverse and vibrant as well um yeah the only thing is when you fly to Sydney you get like to um I don't know depends where you're changing it's doing a stopover you get to Singapore or like uh Abu Dhabi or you know and you're like I've still got another 14 hours or still got like I'm not yeah. even there yet yeah it, it takes a long time to get there so do you think uh little Australian kitchen might be on the horizon. Um, I'm not so sure. It's just, 
too far. I'm too far away at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other places that you have on your hit list of where you'd like to live? Right now, I really love living in Sweden, minus the winter, but I can get through winter. It's okay. I love the culture. I love the fact that they're so embracing of family life, which is right for me now. Yeah. Who's to say that in 10, 15, 20 years' time, where I'll be living. But for now, it's the right place to be. And is the the hygge kind of trend, you feel it tangibly there? So hygge, the Danish... Hygge, yeah, I'm not sorry. actually, I'm no Dane, so don't take me... <laughs> so in Sweden, it's more about the lagom. Oh, tell me about that. So lagom, there's no direct translation for, for lagom, but it's the idea that something's just right so you know goldilocks and that porridge she tastes the little bear's porridge is just right so the swedes strive for things to be lagom oh i to like be that something so it's neither too you know showy or out there and it's neither too humble it's just right so you might go on holiday it wasn't too hot it wasn't too cold uh we did enough activities but we had time to chill out that feels like they're um, taking the pressure away from life a little bit. Yeah. They're not setting the expectations too high. No. But not too low. No, exactly. You're just, just right. Hmm. Have you put that into your own life at all? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm a lot more laid back about things. Yeah. You know, um, I, I used to be always like, oh, I've got to work, got to do this. And now I'm like, you know what? That person... They can wait a day until I reply to an email or that might, that will wait. It's yeah. not going to change anything if I reply now, literally this second, or if I reply tomorrow. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And how about your all-time favorite place to eat? That's a tough one. Okay. If my Austrian grandma was, were still alive, I'd want to be sitting on her kitchen table and having oh. like, she used to make Grisnockelsuppe. Right, <laughs> which, which translates yeah. as <laughs> the Grisnockel. Uh, so it's my awful Austrian accent. They have a very strong dialect from where my mum comes from. Oh, really? Yeah. Where so if you're if you're watching TV in Austria, they subtitle it because the rest of Austria can't understand them. So I mean, it would be comparison Welsh. Oh, wow. Or really strong Irish accent right, or, like, right. or Scottish accent where it's really strong. You're like struggling to understand it. And my uh, grandma used to make this chicken, so homemade chicken stock with these dumplings, which are made with semolina, semolina dumplings and just sliced carrots and, and some chopped chives. Very mm. simple. And then she made her own strudel with, she had a special strudel uh, board where she stretched the dough. So it was paper thin. You, you have to be able to see the newspaper print through it. So that way you get it crisp. And she'd chop up the apple. I remember she wouldn't chop the apple on a chopping board. She'd have it in her hand and chop it like into a bowl. So I have a lot of fond memories of that. And my Austrian grandma, she never saw me change careers into cooking. So it would be, I think that would be the table I'd want to eat. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Chapter five then is your hidden gem, a place that is maybe a bit under the radar that you love. Okay, so uh, I will tell you one of my favorite bakeries in Stockholm. Go for it, please. Um, so this bakery, so everybody knows the cinnamon and cardamom bun. You know, you, you have, it's very Swedish. Uh, they have this thing called fika. So fika, when I moved to uh, Stockholm, it wasn't like, do you want to go for coffee? It was like, do you want to go for fika? So fika is like having coffee with a bun or coffee with a cake. And I'm like, 
cake involved? Yes. I think we should just always say fika from yes. now on. It's <laughs> like include a cake or, or something, a sweet treat. Yeah. Anyway, um, this bakery, they do uh, cinnamon or cardamom buns where there's so much butter and sugar in it that it caramelizes at the bottom and creates this kind of crispy caramel crust, salty caramel crust at the bottom, <sighs> you know, where butter and salt and sugar and spices merge. Wow. It's just a pool of deliciousness. And not many good bakeries will have that same kind of caramel in on it. Um, it's very rare. So that's why I really like this place. Mm-hmm. Plus they make some lovely hardy kind of rye and sourdough breads. Anyway, so... It's called Lilla Brawls Buggery, which means Little Brothers Bakery. So that is like my top spot for bun or some bread. Or if you're lucky and you go around February time, then they have semlor. And semlor are the, they're kind of like a brioche type bun spiked with cardamom, filled with an almond paste and topped with a cloud of whipped cream. God, I don't think I could go there too often (laughs) if I wanted to still fit into my trousers, but it sounds like the absolute dream. Yes. (laughs) Uh, In contrast then, chapter six is the place you'd never go back to. I I went to Tallinn once Mm -hmm. and my flight, connecting flight in Helsinki was delayed. And so I got stuck at this awful airport hotel in Helsinki. So I don't have any nice memories of Helsinki. I'm sure Helsinki is really lovely, but I never (laughs) want to go back to that airport hotel again. Yeah, (laughs) travel nightmares can really taint your view of somewhere, can't they? (laughs) Definitely. definitely. What's your idea of travel hell? Well, I recently, I had to rent a car and it took two hours at the car rental place to have get the car. Oh my goodness, I cannot agree with you more. Car rentals are an absolute but nightmare. I booked they're, it in advance. I they're so understand. prehistoric because they type it all in manually, even though you've booked it in advance. You knew I was coming. Why isn't the car re- you like? I Plus, I had two kids under three yeah. with me, and they were so patient, but... I was like, this is just a t- ticking bomb. I'm just waiting for them to like kick off. They're like, mum, when are we getting the cup? When are we get it going? You know, so yeah. Yeah. Not my uh, That's idea, not okay. Yeah. So chapter seven then is your next big adventure. So my next big adventure, I've got a few ones happening. Great. Um, so obviously excited to go to Tokyo. Mm. And then I'm also going to Vienna to uh, promote the cookbook over there because the Swedish uh, cookbooks come out in German too. And I get a German voice as well on the TV show. That is so cool. And I always love my relatives in Austria. They watch the German version of my show. And obviously <laughs> I speak German, but I don't dub I don't do my voice because it's a real skill to be able to dub uh, somebody. Yeah. And they say, yeah, it's pretty good, this actress who does your voice. She's got a good laugh and <laughs> and she does the right kind of Rachel kind of um, accent. So, yeah, it's really funny. Wow. We're on to chapter eight. And that is what is at the top of your wish list. What's your kind of bucket list destination? You know what? At the mo- If it's just me on my own, because traveling with kids... Uh, at the moment, I don't want to travel with kids. <laughs> it's just not that fun. I did that this summer and I'm like, afterwards in hindsight, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll wait till they're a bit older. Wait, wait a few years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I would love to go to Brazil. I've never been to Brazil. Mm. I There's so little I know about that country and the culture. I don't speak Portuguese. Or I wouldn't mind going back to Cornwall 
to surf. So I started surfing about five years ago, um, but I haven't had a chance to pick it up again. I'm really bad, but this It's not easy. It's not easy, but there's something about being in the moment when you surf that you just don't get elsewhere. And it's that like uh, when you achievement, when you've caught that wave, no matter how big it is, you're like, I've made it. I've done it. I'm riding a wave. It might be mm. only for three seconds, but I'm riding a wave. And that spirit and that sense is uh, something, uh, yeah, it's just such a great feeling. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much. Those were your travel diaries. What a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. That was Rachel Koo, and what a life she has led so far. As ever, if you've enjoyed this episode, your support with a review or a rating is so appreciated and helps others to discover the podcast. And come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.